Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome one and welcome all to the greatest show of them all. It is the NFC East mixtape volume, I believe 143, maybe 144. Totally not certain at this point in time. You can listen to this show wherever you get your SB Nation NFC East blog podcast across the SB Nation network. You can also watch it on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. My name is RJ Cho from Blog and the Boys. His name is Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation. BLG. Happy Tuesday morning for you and I. More like the NFC least mixtape because every team in the division lost for that has to be the first time in quite some time. I, w- I was going to look it up. I thought about when I was walking the dog um, this morning. I thought like, man, because obviously Philly barely lost last year and Dallas even barely lost last year. Never, I, I think the Dallas and Philly might have lost once in the same week a, a year ago. I can't remember now. Uh, but for all four to lose in the same week is definitely a rarity. Probably been two or three years would be my guess. Well, here we are. Um, once upon a time, uh, you may recall, after the Cowboys lost in Philadelphia in the Cooper Rush game, you came in and you were, you know, oh, walking around. You said, it's not going to be a good episode for you, RJ. It's not going to be a good episode for you. It's not going to be a good episode for you, Brandon. It's oh, I know. It's not going to be a good episode for you. But it's also not going to be a good episode for you either. I mean, it's like, a better episode like, for me. Well, oh, look. What well, are you talking about? <laughs> let's let's get to it. Uh, I don't think we have time for fiddle faddle around here. Which did you know that's the name of a snack? No, what kind of snack is that? Um, it's like a like a caramelly kind of popcorn. Google it. It's called fiddle faddle. Um, mm, my mom not was like the a first sweet me. popcorn kind of guy. I mean, I'm just telling you what it is. I'm not saying. I want to see. Oh, you popcorn. would love it. Not a sweet um, popcorn. Do you ever get like in in the mall, um, like the popcorn stands that have the like you know different flavors or whatever? You ever stop by one of those? Can't say I'm in the mall very much. My wife loves uh, this jalapeno cheddar popcorn. What are Ooh. your thoughts on that taste? I like the sound of it. I would be okay. curious to try. I yeah. still think you know it's hard to go wrong with just the basic butter and salt, like the movie theater popcorn. But sure. I would be open to trying that. Um, okay, so here's the situation for all the mixologists out there. Um, the Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles both clinched playoff spots over the weekend. They Despite both lost. Losing. Yeah, they, bo- <laughs> they both lost and everybody lost. Um, this division is down, obviously, and has been down, really started with the two of them. Um, but obviously, the playoff picture is down to the two of them. We will, of course, touch on the New York Giants. Obviously, they play the Eagles next week and played them twice in the final three weeks of the regular season. Uh, the Commanders, we will touch on. But this is going to be a heavy Dallas-Philly episode, uh, as, I, as BLG mentioned when I told him that. They they all kind of tend to be. Uh, Everyone but, complains about that. Everyone in the offseason. Oh, well, now we have a reason Eagles to kind of lean into that. So um, I mean, there's we, always been a reason to do that because the other teams haven't been relevant in a, I know, big, t- I know, in a but big way. We're, we're saying the same thing. We're on the same page. 
Uh, so let's um, let's get to it. Uh, we go in divisional order, which once again features the Dallas Cowboys at the I'm top. Not, I, I am quite fine with that this time. <laughs> this is a good thing to me. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, lost on Sunday in Buffalo, thirty-one to ten. They have not won there since when, Brandon? You know, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, it's, it it was a game. It was a game that I I imagine pissed a very young BLG off. Um, it was a Monday night football game in 2006. Tony Romo had a million turnovers. I don't remember that. It was a really like incredible last second victory. Um, Nick Falk had a 53 yard field goal, blah, blah, blah. T.O. was a big part of it. Maybe that makes me happy, but whatever. Anyway, uh, Cowboys were never in the game on Sunday in Buffalo. It was a total in absolute destruction. Josh Allen only completed seven passes. Um, so a, dis- <laughs> a destruction where he wasn't even a part of it. And the yeah. proverbial, like, if I had told you, but if I had told any Cowboys fan, like, oh, Josh Allen's only going to complete seven passes, they would have been like, oh, we kicked their ass. You know what I mean? Like, it was 31 to 10, and it just, like, never went their way. James Cook uh, had 221 yards from scrimmage. He was the first player to record at least 220 yards from scrimmage against the Dallas Cowboys since Calvin Johnson in 2013. I don't know if you remember that game by chance. Uh, he averaged over seven yards a carry despite having 25 carries. Uh, the first player in the NFL to have done that in over two years. The last one of which I thought this was interesting when I found this was Dalvin Cook, his older brother. Uh, mm. So that was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, never close. And um, I think just to kind of spark notes, give you like Cowboys fans perspective. Um, I know you had eyes on this game. Obviously, it was our same game parlay game on the SB Nation NFL show. We whiffed badly. Uh, well, you didn't. Your leg hit. Uh, we. <laughs> but um, well, I would have hit if Mike McCarthy challenged the uh, Stephon Diggs. That's fumble. part of that's part of the name of the game. Got to right. be um, good at challenging. So um, it was never close, and you know, early on, it felt like man, the Cowboys were just kind of shooting themselves in the foot with these personal fouls. The Demarcus Lawrence roughing the passer that was somewhat debatable. The Sam Williams awful roughing the kicker. Um, which we've obviously talked about extensively at BTB. Uh, J. Ron Curse had a, a, a roughing, you know, unsportsmanlike penalty that was debatable. And all these things kept giving Buffalo life and kept, you know, keeping them in possessions. They wound up turning into touchdowns. But the Cowboys offense wasn't keeping pace. And I do think the Cowboys ran the ball somewhat well. Like if, if I'm really trying to stretch and find something that I thought was like passable, um, no pun intended or reverse pun, I guess, uh, it was their ability to run the ball which was nice, but that was taken away from them with the the hole that they dug for themselves. It felt like the inverse of the game before for Dallas. I mean, at halftime, it felt like they were over and done with the way Philly was at halftime a week prior. Yeah, like you said, it was never really a game. I think you could have had Kyle Allen in there. You didn't even, he, he, he did get in. He did get I mean, in at the very end. I mean, yeah. in terms of like to start the game, just in terms of how much they ran it and didn't even really need to throw the ball too much. Um and look, that was a big issue for the Cowboys, obviously, in the offseason. That was a big reason you talked about, you know, why it's important to draft Mozzie Smith. Um, uh, obviously, the Cowboys losing Jonathan Hankins hurts with that. But it can't just be like, well, we lose our one run stuffing defensive tackle, so the whole deep run defense is just not even viable. Like, you can't, you can't be that fragile. I mean, I, that hurts. Yes, I get it. But it shouldn't be like, well, if we have this player, we're good. And if we don't have him, we're just – we're hopeless. So – uh the big sentiment i saw from afar i think coming out of that cowboys game is like same old cowboys in terms of issues that have been happening with the run issues that have been happening that which is more recent and then historically issues winning on the road like being the roads and that's extremely relevant obviously to the team i think this loss in a vacuum isn't that damning because the bills i think you know i've said this i said i i thought the cowboys were gonna lose this game i predicted that i thought the bills you know they're heating up they're due for some positive regression, you know, 
being better than the record indicates right. in DVOA and point differential stuff like the that. The bizarro that's, Eagles, right? That's fine, but the bigger picture, like, can the Cowboys win on the road? Can they be the same team on the road, especially against a higher level competition? That very much that cloud still very much lingers over this team. My um my kind of way that I summarized that in the lead up to the game was I, I think everyone kind of agrees with your point. Like the bills were the hungrier team, the more desperate team. Like, I mean, they, they're flying high right now, all bills fans. And they're the ninth seed in the AFC, right? Like that just is kind of, you know, representative of the, the awkwardness of their situation. Uh, whereas, to, you know, in a similar way with the Eagles, it's like the Cowboys just got embarrassed and they're firmly in the playoffs. They're literally in the playoffs and they have all these opportunities in front of them, whatever. Uh, but um, what I said, I wanted to see from the Cowboys was, go into this, you know, hostile environment. It's one of the more impressive environments in the NFL against a team that is, you know, up against a wall, against a team that is scrapping and will do absolutely anything that they can because they're fighting for their playoff lives. And Jeff Probst style, snuff their torch. Like say, who cares if, if you're that desperate? Who cares if you're that hungry? We're just that badass that we're just going to kill you no matter what because that's who we are. And they didn't do that. And there's a lot of people who think like, oh, well, they knew they clinched the playoff spot, so they, you know, kind of took their foot off the gas, whatever. I don't ever subscribe to things like that. Um, so it was disappointing. It it does, you know, give life to the same old Cowboys things. And I think that sometimes takes like that are really lazy, but they're impossible to diffuse right now. They're, they're you know, no matter what objective evidence we can point to, and I think that there is a lot, but still, like, that same team, and you're going to lose on reality is that, oh, you, you were gone for a second. You're back now. Everything's okay. I was, I thought you really disagreed with my take, uh, but, um, but yeah, and they have another opportunity coming up, I suppose, to win on the road against a legitimate team. But if they do, and we'll get to that, obviously, if they do go beat the dolphins and even if they, if they squash the people will say, Oh, well, the dolphins are frauds too. So like that one doesn't really count. Um, it was, it wasn't quite a measuring stick opportunity, but it was a like stay standing tall opportunity and they didn't. And, and everybody failed. That's what was really unique about this was, Every single person failed. It was a horrible game for Mike. I, I said, you know, in my stock report, our post game, this was one of the worst Mike McCarthy games as the Cowboys head coach and certainly play caller. Dan Quinn, you know that I've been banging on this drum. This is now twice in the last three games that Dan Quinn has gotten absolutely worked. He got worked by the Geno Smith-led Seahawks offense. Uh, they didn't punt, although they did have the fourth down stops at the end. They obviously got destroyed, although they did force a punt uh, by James Cook and the Bills. I mean, you know, I've been told by every Cowboys fan, it feels like, oh, Dan Quinn's the one who's really in charge. Dan Quinn's the one who's running the show. Dan Quinn's the one who, who gets all the credit. Well, then, you know, are we going to hold his feet to the fire here when the, the, the group is really bad and really poor? In my stock report that I mentioned, I had stock downs for Dak Prescott and Micah Parsons. And the Dak one, I think, is really obvious. Like, we played really poorly, obviously didn't have a lot to work with, and Zach Martin got hurt. But you want to be the MVP? You want to be that guy? You got to find a way. You, like, you have to be the guy. It's not a fair standard because you're the guy. And I think that Micah Parsons has played himself into that standard. And you're a part of the group that just got worked, I mean, in a way that no one had done to the Cowboys since Calvin Johnson a decade ago. Uh, so disappointing game from the superstars, disappointing game from the coaching staff, disappointing game all the way around. The way you phrased it, <clears throat> I saw on your Instagram post after the game was like, you know, it was like, we thought this team might be different. Like, this is your chance to prove you can be different. And, and, and they might be. And that's what I said. But like right now you failed the first challenge. In this game, you did not do that. Right. You, you did not do that. And you had the opportunity. So, yeah. And and re look, really, obviously, I'm not trying to transition to the Eagles yet, I guess, if you're not ready. But the reality is, like, if the Eagles, you know, if they lose still and the Cowboys win, like, then the Cowboys control the, the division all of a sudden. And uh, they don't now anymore. Still, the Eagles still have control of that, despite 
how pathetic they look right now. So, um, yeah, it was a big missed opportunity for both teams, really. But I think certainly the Cowboys who, um, you know, beat the Eagles then have a chance to surge after that and just kind of take their foot off the gas and don't do that. I did say that this was the game that scared me the most of the remaining ones for the Cowboys this year. Um, I'm definitely tentative about the Dolphins, but, you know, the Bills just have kind of felt like this, like, you know, don't poke them. You know what I mean? They're kind of finding themselves right now. And this is this reminds me of the Broncos loss the Cowboys took two years ago. Remember how I like trashed them all season long? And then they just waxed the Cowboys. And it was really embarrassing for me. I was thinking about that. Right. I, after, I have. I have. And I, this is a little bit different in that I've started, and you can back me up on this. I've started to kind of come back around a little bit on the Bills. Um, so it's not quite the same, but like, of course, you know what I mean? The, the team that like, that, that I apply the like kiss of death to is the one who just manages to, you know, expose the Cowboys or ruin them or whatever and, the case may be. And I know we touched on this already at the top, but like how they did it too. It's not even like, hey, you could probably live with it a little bit more if Josh Allen was totally going off and was unstoppable. That's what he did against the Eagles. And like right. Stefan Diggs has this, you know, huge, it's just like, well, it's only so much you can do about that but to get like run all over like that like that's pretty concerning especially again as it relates to playoff football and as it relates to having to play the Niners again guess what the Niners are going to do all game long they're going to run the ball all game long and the Cowboys are going to have to answer for that if that matchup transpires my most copium sort of takes on this are I, I do think this is more like every team has a bad game or, or a couple of bad games in a season. Like I'm, I'm certainly not out on the Cowboys as a Super Bowl contender, although nobody's on the, the playing field that the Niners are. I think you would agree right now, um, although it'll be fascinating to watch them play Baltimore on mm -hmm. Christmas night. Uh, but still, whatever. Uh, so I think they're firmly in the mix and all that. They I, I mean, they have become a team and they haven't, you know lived up to the challenge where they have become a team to where they can clinch a playoff spot and still have one of these kind of games and still have three weeks to work in the regular season. That is, again, I, I know nobody wants to hear like kudos for the Cowboys right now, but like that is the hallmark of a great organization that you can, you can be in situations where you have that room for error. It doesn't mean you can't get to work and, or you shouldn't get to work and fix all these problems, but like that is still an ultimately good thing. It also speaks to the quality of the NFL this year, which I know many people have discussed at different points. And also will be, goes without saying i'm go doing it i'm going against my own thing i don't like to say it'll be interesting to see because that's not really saying anything but it will be telling to see how the cowboys respond to this loss is it just truly one bad game and you go out and maybe you don't even beat miami but it comes down to the end you look good it's just like okay tyreek hill made this incredible play at the end of the game it just kind of is what it is um or do you go down there and it's you know it's more of the same is he roasting you? Is this unraveling? Uh, and then you have the Lions coming up who seem to be getting their groove back a little bit. So it is a little bit of a treacherous stretch here. And this is, you know, what people have wanted to see all season long in terms of, okay, we know the Cowboys can beat up on the bad teams. They deserve credit for that. But at the same time, if you can't do anything against the teams with the winning records, then everyone doesn't really care about those blowout wins over bad teams. My um, two biggest copium takes are, you know, Everybody also has like kind of a clunker of a loss, right? Like the Eagles have the Jets loss and, you know, you could call, I, I've talked about like the Niners, maybe you put the Browns loss in there. I know that was in the middle of their kind of poor stretch, but the Cardinals loss is kind of the clunker loss that Dallas had. Uh, but other than that, they've lost to like these perennial Super Bowl contenders, right? In San Francisco, Philadelphia and Buffalo. So like, what a, what a shock. Like it's hard to beat the best teams in the NFL. Again, not a good thing, but, uh, and finally, my biggest copium take is, you know, they got the loss out of the way. Like they were never going to like, I was always going to feel like a teeny bit uneasy in a fan way. If they just like didn't lose going wow. into the playoffs. Like, I mean, like, That's dumb. 
it is dumb, but like it's like that's where we're at. Like in fanhood is like in fandom is like, I, like those are fan you know sort of qualities. And like again, like you like you know that that's like a. I'm not saying you ever feel that way, but like it is a popular thing when people be like, okay, like you you yeah. got it out of the way. Like you just people shake, said that just, about the Eagles last year, like when they're undefeated and it's I know. Like, I'm, again, Eagles it, need it, to lose a game. No, they did not need to lose a game. It's they a common take. That's, again, I called it a copium take. So like to be very clear, that's where I'm at on this, but. Um, I think you and I agree the Cowboys still fine, just need to settle in and we're, you know, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see well, how they fine, fare against my relative. Yeah. Not fine. Fine. In terms of, I think that, yeah, they're not going to unravel. I think they might lose one of their next two. I think that's very much on the table considering the quality of opponents too. And again, the Miami game is on the road. Um, the Dolphins or the Lions game is in Dallas. So certainly Dallas deserves the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, but yeah, again, like, is this a different year for the Cowboys? Again, yes, it could be. That's still on the table, but I am leaning against that after this loss. We will uh, get into the tie-breaking scenarios for the NFC East, but um, just to say now, and I know you've had a long, um, whatever it's been now, like 15, 16, 17, 18 hours since uh, Monday Night Football, but uh, Dallas can lose one of their next two games. You talked about you think they might. They can lose one of these next two and still win the NFC East as long as the Eagles lose any game. I don't know if you know that right now. Um, wait, what? So, I mean, I guess this is our way to segue into Monday Night Football. If the Eagles and win out, they're division champs. I know that's what I just said. I said if the okay. Eagles lose any game, Dallas can lose either of these next two. As as long uh -huh. if, if the Cowboys, if the Eagles lose one, any one uh, of their Giants games or the Cardinals game, um, if Dallas goes two and one, but one of those wins is the Washington win, right? Then then Dallas wins. Yeah, the, the Eagles can't lose to haven't. I mean, that was going into the stretch like they can't afford a loss to the Giants because of the division record. Right. All I'm saying is that. In a technical sense, Dallas – so Dallas has to have a Philadelphia loss, right? But they do not have to have a Philadelphia loss and win out. If they get the Philly loss, they right. can lose one of the Dolphins or Lions games and still win the division, although they might lose the two seed uh, to the Detroit Lions, obviously, in that situation. <clears throat> yeah, and also the Eagles benefited from the um, Cowboys loss to the Bills in the sense that – Entering week 15, the Eagles needed to win out to win the division, have control of that. Now that they went once the Cowboys lost to the Bills, the Eagles could afford at that point to lose to either the Seahawks or the Cardinals. So they, they did get some margin for error, which they immediately used up in a very troubling way that obviously takes them out of the one seed. And obviously that's the same thing. That's another, again, big reason why the Cowboys lost is a big deal because I know the one seed wasn't likely with the 49ers having the head to head over them, but it was on the table. And now it's basically not on the table for yeah, it was a big week Eagles. for the Niners. I think we agree. Uh, they, all they have to do is win two of their final three games to clinch the one seed. They've already clinched the NFC West, um, but we're not here to talk about them. Stats does a great job of that on the gold standard network. Everybody check them out, but the Eagles lost. Um, and so in losing, they really set themselves back. And I think, again, you can kiss the one seed goodbye. The division is up for grabs. Again, we'll kind of get more into that in a little bit here. Um, they have lost control for even the two seed. E even if the Eagles win out, they do not have control for the two seed. The Lions now Although, hold uh, yeah, control. It's kind of weird because, again, yeah, the Cowboys and Lions play each other. So what the, one of those results will be nice for the Eagles. The simplified probably. version of that is if Detroit wins out, the two seed is theirs. But obviously, if they lose in Dallas, then Dallas may, you know, you know, it's still a continued threat for the Eagles for the NFCs, but mm -hmm. um, the Eagles lost. Now, um, last week you had a statement prepared um, yes. when we talked about the Eagles. I have a statement prepared. If you're okay with this, uh, I'm not okay with that. 
Um, okay, so uh, this was the bottom of your statement. Um, you said, I'd certainly at least like to see this team put up a much more of a fight than they did against the Niners. This was talking about the Cowboys game. They did not. But the truth is, I'm not too worried about this result. This result right. being the hypothetical that you crafted that Philadelphia would lose in Arlington, which they mm -hmm. did. I know it's important, but it has more of a house money feel to me. Yes. If the Eagles continue to crater after this one, right. well, then the panic truly begins. I agree. Until then, I'm not riding the Eagles off. I'm not I'm not doing like a gotcha thing. I know you wrote this here. Uh, yeah, um, I agree with it. I, uh, I was setting the table. This is the then. Uh, the opening line of your post-game recap, this is the final portion of my statement. Uh -huh. What we all knew deep down, but uh -huh. some of us, parentheses, myself included, didn't want to admit, semicolon, yeah. the Eagles are frauds. Yeah. Here's the thing. It didn't have to be this way. It wasn't like, oh, they were always going to lose to the Seahawks. I think, and here, and I stand by what I said in terms of the panic should be setting in kind of after this loss. Here's the problem. The panic set in before this loss. The Eagles made this, I want to curse, don't curse on the show, cockamamie decision to make Matt Patricia, who, like, why did they ever hire? Right. <laughs> Going back to that podcast in April or whenever it was, like, just an inexplicable kind of move to fire their defensive coordinator. Look, I know Sean Desai was struggling, wasn't doing a good job. I also, you have to consider that, you know, there's players and their input and there's things that go on behind the scenes. I get that. Okay. It's Matt Patricia. What are we doing? Like, why, like what are we doing with that move? It's just, it's not a move that a 10 and three at the team at the time, sorry, uh, team makes. That's not that kind of move. That's like a panic button move. That's like a, uh, you know, coaches on the hot seat playoffs are like hopes are dwindling kind of move. And it's pathetic. It's unserious. The Eagles have been incredibly unserious. It didn't have to be, okay, we lost to the 49ers and Cowboys. So now everything's on fire and we have to scram. It didn't have to be that way. They panicked when they didn't need to panic. And I think that like filters down throughout the team. It's not the only reason they lost because they promoted Matt Patricia and demoted Sean Desai. But like, that's like an organizational health thing that does not signal like stability and there was even a good quote about this from Fletcher Cox that um, PHOY had about uh, in an article about this defensive coordinator change. That was something to the effect of like, you know, like the players go or I forget. I'm, I'm butchering the quote right now, but it was basically like the players kind of see the tone from the organization. Like if the coaches are going to be panicking, the players are going to start panicking. So like they needed a steady hand. And this this is obviously a lot on Nick Sirianni, but it's not just him. It's even above him. It's on Howie Roseman on Jeffrey Lurie, the ownership. It's a top-down kind of thing where this team started to panic and the vibes felt terrible between the Patricia thing and Jalen Hurts getting sick uh, late in the practice and being downgraded to questionable. Like, the vi Darius Slay having elective surgery and, like, finding that out a couple days before the game. Like, all this stuff was just, like, the vibes are not good here. And certainly the Eagles lost. And I can't say I'm surprised from that standpoint once the vibes went bad. Um, you did tweet, um, I guess, before the day before the game that like the vibes were off. Um, we did Eagles. Quote, Eagles vibes real bad. Yeah. And then I or saw word. you I saw you like thread that quote on on Monday night after the game and say like uh, what like vibes are never off or something like that. Um, so I, I don't even know where to start with the like vibes of this all. Um, I do want to and I'm going to try to go in the order that you went. I saw our buddy Aiden Powers from the Birds versus Boys podcast had a clip from their show. 
um, go out where he said, I'm sick of blaming coordinators. That is the only, I don't mean I to agree. like, I, I don't mean to generalize Eagles fans. Cause we talk about how we hate when people take like something one fan said and act like that speaks for the entire fan base. That's not true. But I do see that a lot. I don't ever really see anybody blame any Eagles players except for Darius Slay and James Bradbury. They're the only dudes who ever catch heat as far as players. Where is the blame for Jalen Hurts? Because at this point, you got to come with a whole help. He is playing like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL right now. All Jalen Hurts, like you've said before too as well, like I'm not afraid of Dak Prescott. I am in no way afraid of the current version of Jalen Hurts. He is literally, this is an exaggeration of what he is. This is the Tim Tebow offense. Like he's just run around and chuck it deep every once in a while. That's all he is. I mean, like what was the last great throw he made? I was thinking like, was it the Zacchaeus touchdown against Buffalo? Yeah. I mean, like he, he is not a functional passer and it, it feels like they're doing everything they can to keep him away from passing situations. And well, so they're, it's funny. Cause it's like the only thing they do well is the tush push. So like, <laughs> it's funny how that's like their only strong staple thing, but now they're getting hunted for that. Like the, you know, Jason Kelsey false start on that moving the ball. I don't really have a take on the movement of the ball, but I do think it's funny that now everyone's paying all this attention to them. And they have, they have really, it, it is the price for not winning the Super not the price, but the consequence of not winning yeah. the Super Bowl because it, you, it, it's the price of success. Yeah. Like you lose well, your coordinators. That's why I'm tired of hearing like, oh, the Eagles, oh, the Shane Steichen was the mastermind. Even if that's true, like, guess what? You don't get to keep him. Like, that's the NFL. If someone wants to hire your coordinator, you don't get a choice of like, oh, actually, you want to keep him. Tough luck. Figure it out. Hire a next, hire a good replacement. Like, don't or, focus on what you can't control, focus on what you can control. Or take ownership and take charge and have success on your own, Nick Sirianni. Like, and so I tweeted this out uh, from the blog on the boys account after the game. And I didn't mean this in a negative way. I meant it in a completely serious way. And I don't know who was running the Bleeding Green Nation account um, after the game, but they retweeted it. So it's not me. Well, I'm not saying still it. think it's me. I tweet from my account. I don't tweet from the BGN account. I'm not saying it's you. That's why that's why I said what, it, what, what I said. But um, I know did, you're not. I'm just clarifying. There, did, the there did seem to be some Eagles fans who agreed with this. So the tweet was, this is why the Sirianni stuff, and what I meant by that is the like antics and the show of it all, is such a slippery slope. If you act that way when you were winning, then nobody can say anything. We say all the time that history is written by the winners. But people remember, and when you slip up, it all falls apart, and the people who backed you up don't want to deal with it anymore. And so that's the take I'm seeing now. Is like people are like Sirianni sucks. Sirianni sucks. What does he offer? Like, what, like it feels like all he's offered is like negative weight now. Like now he he is the reason people are like jumping down their throats and ready to see them fail because of his you know antics is the, the appropriate word at this point. But again, you used to like pound on McCarthy like if he's not calling plays what is he doing like so we're sitting here these Eagles fans and they're blaming Brian Johnson and Sean Desai what what, what is Nick doing like what what well, does I'll Nick offer you, well part of the problem here is I think you know it's like he takes ownership of the Patricia decision but it's hard for me to fully believe that's just him and in part because once upon a time Doug Peterson after the 2019 season is asked in his like end of season press conference uh, is Mike Groh going to be back as offensive coordinator? Is Carson Waltz going to be back as receivers coach? Doug's like, yeah, emphatically, yes. A couple days later, those guys are fired. So, like, it's clearly not just – like, the coach doesn't have full control here. So part of that's an organizational thing. And that's, like, it's not always the worst thing in terms of how it's worked out and they've had some success with it. But I think meddling, you know, there's a fine line with that. It can be an issue, and it makes the coach look bad, certainly. So I think part of it is above him. But I'm not excusing him at all. And what should be on him – is that, yeah, I'm so sick of the coordinator thing from a standpoint of it's just literally like anyone has problems with something with the Eagles do or the offense at all, and it's Brian Johnson's fault. And I'm look, if they don't fire Brian Johnson, because they don't wear Brian Johnson jersey take, and it's a good yes, one. Yeah. That's a big part of it. 
but also like Brian Johnson is the play caller. So he's calling plays from the menu that is being assembled ultimately at the highest level by Nick Sirianni. So if the menu sucks, then you can't be like, well, I don't like this dish and I don't like this dish. Well, like, guess what? All the dishes are bad and he's picking from bad dishes. So this isn't to exonerate Brian Johnson. If they want to fire him, fine. What? I don't care. But like, why am that's not going to just fix that alone. You need I, the head coach who's at the head of this thing to be part of the solution. And a lot of the problems that people seem to have with the Eagles offense is the design play. There's a difference between play call and play design. And the play design doesn't seem to be good. And Brian Johnson isn't like solely designing the offense out there. So I don't think Sirianni is taking enough heat. Um, if you want to criticize Brian Johnson, absolutely go for it. But also make sure you're criticizing Nick Sirianni. I think there's, you know, criticism to go around. Like, I, I mean, yeah, like Brian Johnson, here's your scoop. Like you deserve your fair share. Nick Sirianni, you deserve the biggest share because you're the head coach. And again, you're the one who's like, you know, crafted and weaved this persona of whatever you want to call it. But Jalen Hurts, again, and now if Dak Prescott said the thing about lack of commitment in a post-game press conference, you would come here and you would light him up and you well, would talk I don't know about how means. this is. I don't, I'm kind of confused by that. Like, I don't understand. While, I don't understand what that means. While it's vague, I agree with you. It is a really bad look. And it I is. I can't rip him because I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. I'm confused. What, what good it. comes from saying that though? Like, in, in I don't what, know. In what I'm world confused. is it a good thing? I mean, so I the, don't. I don't, quote was, I don't I have a take on it. I'm just confused. I don't know what that means. The quote was, he doesn't think the team is committed enough right now. And then he got snappy about it. Maybe he sensed that he had waded into some potentially treacherous waters and said, um, you know, I don't know what like that. Even I, when I don't have going well. I'm not I'm not saying he's like a jerk. I mean, he's a great human. But I mean, he said, he like, I don't can have be a little jerky in fairness, like in press well, conference settings. Some of his answers can be a little bit, you know, whatever he meant. Whatever he meant, there's no positive slant on this. Like, there's no there's no way you take that in the moment, in the context of the moment, and say, like, oh, this, like, everything's great. It looks like poor leadership. It looks like you're panicking. It looks like you're freaking out as a locker room. And for it to come from one of the worst players on the team right now is an even worse look. He, dude, he is limiting the offense in a very significant way. Like, it, it never felt like, oh, here they come. Here comes Jalen Hurts. And again, even that final possession where it was, oh, they need a field goal to go tie this up. The yeah, only positive ball. play is is Hurts rushing. Like, he can't throw the ball. He obviously was sick, so that is, you know, we'll, it's I will bring it up, but it's not a good enough. You paid him a quarter of a billion dollars. I don't want to hear he's sick. He can't play well. Like, that's what the money is for. And man it's disappointing he was sick and he got to fly i'm not saying this is like a good thing he was obviously sick but like he got to fly by himself you know what i mean like he, he seemingly had you know resources to help him feel sick i mean health is health but um yeah it's it's not an excuse the here's problem. the problem though yeah some of these things that have been popping up aren't just like whoa he was been awesome and then this isn't totally uncharacteristic some of these issues have been there when he hasn't been sick so that's why it's not just an excuse that he's sick and part of that is like being obsessed with the big play, which is kind of like an issue with the team, both defensively and offensively, just like being so obsessed with the big play that you're passing up underneath options, especially in like key scenarios. There's a third down in this game where, you know, Hertz takes a shot to AJ down the left sideline, misses it within his vision, within the same vision. It's not like he's on the opposite side of the field. Devontae Smith is crossing wide open and it's like, well, it's third and eight. Maybe just get the first down there. You don't need the shot play. So there's some of that. Um, 
I mean, the underthrow to Quez Watkins in the end zone, part of that is like, why are you throwing to Quez Watkins? Because, or why is Quez Watkins even out there? Because literally anytime the ball goes to him, something bad happens. It's been true for a long time now. That being said, Jonathan Hurts has a clean pocket to work with there, and it's underthrown and picked off. So a bad throw. And there's so many times this season, and I've been harping on this all season long, even when he's played well, the time to throw is just, it's just forever. And I've been harping on this back to like training camp because there's just times where you see him hold, 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 just holding the ball for, like, get rid of it. Stop holding the ball for forever. The longest average time to throw in the NFL. It was an issue in the past for him in his rookie season, in his 2021 season. He got better with it last year. This year, he's kind of reverted back to holding the ball forever. And it's, goes hand in hand with there's times where he has a clean pocket and he's just bailing from it and rolling right or left and then no one's there and it's just like what this isn't an offense brian baldinger broke that down in part and he's like this is not offense like you can't just have the quarterback bail from the pocket every time and try to make something happen like play within the structure of the offense throw with anticipation i'm not saying the offense is perfect and you know everything is fixed if he just does that but it's just way too much kind of, and this is what happened with Carson Wentz, is like hero ball. Like sometimes you have to play within the structure of the offense. Well, it's just, I mean, to really simplify everything, it's simply scramble around, pick up first downs on the ground, and throw the occasional home run ball and either hope it hits or hope you draw a pass interference. That's all it is. Like that, that's, all, that's all the offense is right now. And and um, so the end of the first half, I was making dinner. I had put my son to bed. Uh, so I kind of had one eye on it at that point in time, but it felt like there were like 16 possessions in the final, like five minutes of the first half. Um, but Hertz had that third down scramble to your point that just like, what are you doing, dude? Like make a decision. And then he throws it for an incompletion. And I know that didn't cost them because Seattle didn't score there, but it's like, you gave them life. Like there's not even like heads up play. Like at that point, after you scramble for 12 seconds, just eat the sack. It's third down anyway, just mm-hmm. keep the clock running. And so there's all these like, really 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 He's poor decisions being times made. this year where it's i mean like, just take the sack it's it's starting to look it's been looking and it's only continuing to look more and more like the 2022 season which was exemplary by all standards was the aberration and that he might be closer to the 2021 2023 version of himself across the whole of his career i mean again we've like talked about it like oh the offense is going to return the offense is going to return nope Nope, like this is really bad. They had two touchdowns and they were both, what a big surprise, rushing touchdowns. And one of them was a tush push. Um, yeah, I mean, that Seahawks defense isn't good either. I mean, we saw that obviously when the Cowboys played the Seahawks and they're hurt. They're, I think they're even further banged up than they were in that. Like, there's no Devin Witherspoon. Jamal Adams not playing was probably a bonus for the Seahawks. Yeah. Probably helped them since he's so bad, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's a banged up unit that isn't good to begin with. Like, Reek Woolen is well, didn't even start the game. He's like been benched. Like they they have they have issues in the secondary. You put up 17 points, and to me, like the biggest issue was that. And I, in the moment, I felt this way. It was like you have the game or you have the ball. It's 17 to 13 late in the game. Seahawks are dumb, and oh, and that's they they tried to throw that game. Pete I know, Carroll with Carroll the horrible like, in this oh. game. With the Seahawks had one timeout at the end. All the Eagles offense needed to do there is pick up like one more first down and they win the game. And that was that's always how it should have been. And it's been an issue all season in terms of the offense has had a chance to close games out. And they did it a couple times earlier in the year. It's yeah. not like they never did it, to be clear. But like that's who the Eagles are when they're at their best. They kind of and you know that. 
and we saw that in the the Eagles Cowboys game uh it, with the Cooper Rush game in Philly last year it's just like the Cowboys closed the gap then Eagles said no we just want a big it's big scoring drive end the game on their terms the offense needed to do that here especially when you only scored 17 points and your previous drives in the fourth quarter resulted in like what an interception and a punt like that at that point you need to control the game and just put it away as soon as the Seahawks got the ball at their eight yard line um, I was texting with some friends and they were like, are the Eagles defense going to get stop here? And I was like, no, but like, I'm not, I'm obviously it's unacceptable for Matt Patricia and the defense to allow that 92 yard drive, especially when there was multiple third and tens and the Seahawks converted on them. I get that. I'm not going to let them off the hook for that to be clear, but it never should have gotten to that point. The It's like the offense wears that loss never should have been able to give the ball back to the Seahawks um i also think there's like another level of embarrassment that it's like okay they pulled off this insane drive and dk metcalf was a huge part of it you know it's like like i think like um if like when the zacchaeus touchdown happens and you're the bills you're like well you know we're devoting every resource we have to adrian brown and Devontae. but you know what i mean like you're just like we only have so many hands but it's like for the like the guy to, to be and i know he had this sick catch that was like insane you know what i mean but like um and i guess you know for jackson Smith and jigba dallas native Jackson Smith and Chigba, by the way, who has a Dallas Cowboys tattoo. Uh, to be the one to do it, I guess, you know, maybe you're like, hey, you know, we we only have so many resources. Um, I have two other things that I wanted to get to. Um, on the fraud note, um, more than anyone, you enjoyed pointing out how the 2022 Vikings were frauds. Um, that was ultimately proven to be true. I defended them a lot. And I they still definitely had less credibility. I'm still not willing to put during a season. <laughs> I'm still not willing to put these Eagles in that box specifically, but point differential gets brought up and got brought up so much with the Vikings. Um, I looked on Monday night. The Eagles are the fourth team in StatHeads database to have at least 10 wins through their first 14 games and a point differential no higher than plus 18. The 2004 Falcons, um, so the early days of Michael Vick, the 2020 Browns, which obviously went to the playoffs and won that playoff game in Pittsburgh. The 2022 Vikings, who were 11 and three, not 10 and four. And now the Eagles. Um, they are tied for the best point differential of these four teams at plus 18 with the 2004 Falcons. So, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, pretty significant. Also, to circle back, and I wanted to bring this up because this was a stolenness tweet. Uh, John tweeted, I know he had an article that went out uh, right before we started recording. Um, this was about the commitment thing. This is John's tweet, literally. Uh, honestly, more disappointing than the play on the field is how it appears two bad losses to the 49ers and Cowboys may have broken what was supposed to be a rock-solid locker room mm -hmm. and team culture. Listening to Hertz's commitment comments, whatever he means by it, it's clear something is amiss, and that's the bigger concern to me. This seems like a team, in my these are my words now, that is now getting pushed around and punched in the mouth themselves, and they are not comfortable. They were super fine and cool when they were the team running all over everybody, but they're not built to handle any kind of resilience. Well, that's so weird, though, right? Because they were in terms of like games this year. How many you know games did they come back in where it seemed like they did have that as part of their DNA, think... as part of their personality? But they, it was in terms of literally like fighting back from like they literally did show resiliency in games earlier this year. Inarguably, yes, they did. They showed. Yeah, I'm, resiliency. I'm not saying they didn't. And I'm not trying to say they were purely a lucky team, but they did have, and you know this, they had these weird breaks. They had the Marquez Valdez scaling drop. They you know what I mean? Like they had all these... that and not every team does. There is something That's to be true. said for resiliency That's at why I some said level. There, there was not there was not an absence of resilience, but it wasn't pure resilience, is all I'm saying. It was resilience. It wasn't only you know, resilience. Forged. Yes, I agree. It was, but it was they resilience did have forged in the bowels of luck. It's all I'm saying. But like again, that's more than none. They had more than none, and now in the this larger context, they don't. So that like that doesn't really match up to me. 
and it's weird. And again, it's not, I just keep going back to it. It didn't have to be this way. It didn't have to be that you crumbled like this. Like it wasn't like, then well, why is it was it? always going to happen. Huh? Then why is it? If it didn't have to be, then why is it? Because they chose to panic and they're crumbling. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just like, they just, you lose two so then games. what is that like so then 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 stolen's tweet is fair that there is this culture of panic not, this culture not, of, of you know a fragile yeah, not being they're not being resilient in this instance i agree they were resilient in some games they're not being resilient right now the response to adversity has sucked and uh i just i don't get it because i thought i, I was willing to give them the benefit of the doubt i think they earned that at some level and now it's gone any goodwill they had is gone uh last thing and then we can take a break uh, I would like to read you a direct message I received on November 30th, one that you laughed at. That game gave me confidence that we can beat the Eagles. Yeah, that but like the Seahawks friend... didn't play well. It's not like I know, the I know. Seahawks, so, literally, so I, the, if you look at the win percentage for the entire game, like the, the Eagles should have won that game. That game wasn't I, about the Seahawks <laughs> beat the Eagles as much as the Eagles like lost it more. It worked out, obviously, in a literal sense, but I sent that message to Mookie um, on, on Monday night, and he was like, this is in no way the, like, the way I felt like right. or envisioned this. I, I mean, because he was talking about Gino playing really well. Again, it was just funny. Just let me make yeah, my that's also, let me yes, a big difference. And another reason why it's more pathetic. It's Drew Locke. Come on, beat Drew Locke. It's Drew Locke. Mm. And, that, and, and Jalen Hurts got outplayed by Drew Locke. Like, pathetic. Jalen Hurts has been outplayed the last three weeks. When that happens to Brock Purdy, who might be the MVP, or is in that conversation, okay. Dak, who was leading the MVP conversation before looking bad in Buffalo. Okay, like that, those aren't, that's disappointing. And it raises questions about the ceiling of the team and the ceiling of the quarterback. But it's like, okay, it's not the worst thing in the world. Then you lose to Drew Locke and you get outplayed by Drew Locke. And at that point, it's like, what are we doing here? You're the 200, you're the quarter of a billion dollar quarterback and and you're getting outplayed by Drew Locke. But like you lose to Drew Locke and get outplayed by Drew Locke, not in like a, um like what was that crazy like matt flynn game for the packers where he threw like for like 450 yards and six touchdowns or what you know it wasn't like drew lock had the game of all games i mean he had an incredible final possession obviously and deserves all turn the ball over that's fine all i'm saying is this wasn't like you know the best football that drew lock has ever you know it wasn't like he went off and and you lost to that it it was he was he was like moderately average Mm -hmm. to kind of good and he still significantly outplayed you Mm -hmm. want to throw us to break you want to do that We will be right back after a break from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
Welcome back. Uh, for the audio audience, Brandon literally threw us to break, but you threw like a like a like a chess pass, like it was basketball. Mm. Um, so, you know, interesting. Maybe that's that's the Eagles' offense. Maybe you know, that's mm. that's the real push. Is Jalen Hurts is just like a pushing chess pass kind of passer at this point in time. Uh, this is a stretch. Uh, I know. I mean, I had to find a way to segue that in. It's one of my favorite things from high school was when um, this one, we had this like little group thing that we would do in history class, 10th grade, where we'd have like a group conversation about like a current event or like a political thing. You turn the lights off this was, on the floor. This was like with the teacher, like not like, yeah, not yeah. Like, your friend, the teacher, okay, like it was just kind of like a conversation. It was supposed to be more like, you know, okay. like conversational and like less pressure, not like sitting in desk and so formal, just like, you know, getting together, communal. And one time someone just had like the most BS point ever or just like long wind. And then like my, the teacher literally, his name was Mr. Wolf, shout out to Mr. Wolf. Like as this person was talking, had, Mr. Wolf was chewing gum and like just without like, you know, just looking at them and just taking the gum and like stretching it out like super far. And he was like, that's a stretch. So I love that. It's funny. Shout out to Mr. Anyway. Wolf. Um, the New York Giants lost to the New Orleans Saints, 24 to 6. Um, Tommy DeVito's agent wore a green suit, and that was kind of the highlight. Uh, DeVito left this game, um, obviously, at a, at a point, and Gerard Taylor came in, um, but the Giants were never close. I don't think we really need to break these games down as much as we needed to kind of like start spinning forward. Do you have like a passionate Giants take before we again talk about them getting ready for the Eagles? Giants are still bad, it turns out, because the Saints aren't good, and the Saints beat them with very much ease. The Giants are, you know what they rank in DVOA and point differential? I do because I saw you tweet out the opening odds okay. dead last. Well, they rank dead last in both of those <laughs> categories. So that's the thing. Like, if the Eagles play that, when the Eagles play them, it's not even about, I think, like me thinking the Eagles can beat them because they're good. I just think they can beat them because they're less worse. It's literally the worst team in the NFL. Like that's, that's your point. Yeah. Like it's literally the worst team in the NFL, but we will see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, we actually, us and Steven, we talked about, I think the line was six and a half. Right. And we were like, Oh, pff, there's no way. Like, well, of course we'll take these points. The giants didn't even score six and a half points. Um, mm. I know that that would be impossible, but still. Um, okay. So that's the game. Uh, we'll talk about, I guess the future of things in a moment, the Washington commanders, this was a really bad game. Officially um, eliminated from the playoffs, mathematically. Um, they lost 28 to 20 to the Los Angeles Rams. And by the way, when I was coping on um, Sunday night and Monday morning, I was kind of like, well, you know, and I've been saying for a while, I think the Rams could be the first seven seed um, to win a playoff game. If the Bills get that too, they, they obviously have a chance. But um, my thought was like, man, if the Rams play the Eagles in the first round, like I kind of like the Rams odds just a little bit. I mean, I would pick the Eagles, but. Uh, but now it might be the Cowboys odds against the Eagles but, in the playoffs right now. Right. But it might, it could be the Cowboys is my point, especially after Monday night, but that's again, neither here nor there for this moment. Um, so did you keep eyes on this game at all? Like, did you see no. they bench Sam Howell? Why? Like what, what, like why? And I, I'm not like a Sam Howell. Truther, give but like, Kobe Brissett a look at in week 15. Like, wh what is the point of this? Like, like this is so bad. Um, I saw Warren Sharp tweeted out. It was like the sequence of like four decisions. Um, like in crunch time, they were huddling before every play. I mean, like, you know, it was just, they have such, they just do not care. Like they are just a, a badly coached football team that anyone ever believed in Ron Rivera is as a football coach is amazing to me. Yeah. There's, I don't understand the point of playing Jacoby Brissett 
especially at this point. There's nothing I mean, to is, be gleaned. Is it possible he's better than Sam Howell? Yeah, it is. It's entirely possible. Maybe even likely. But that's not the point of the season at this point. The point is just to play Sam Howell no matter what and see what happens with that, basically, and accumulate as many losses as you can right now, which they are doing that part correctly in terms of they're losing a lot. And where do they rank now in the draft order here? Um... They rank. At, I have it pulling it up. They rank number four. So, you know, and they only have the Cardinals, the Patriots, and the Panthers pick going to Chicago in front of them. So maybe they can get even higher. Probably not number one. Tough to no, see I agree. winning two more, but um, they could get as high as two. Um, and if, I mean, so they're doing everything right in that sense. And I think the, the Montez sweat trade was still the right decision for them. Uh, but I think it has to kind of make you go, I don't know, that he's playing really well for the Bears. You know what I mean? Like, I know people, you know, have issues with the contract, but I mean, that's like, that's a player that was potentially worth re-signing if you feel like you're somewhat close in the next couple of years. Like, he is, he has looked really, really, really good since that trade. They should have signed, I said this at the time, they should have traded one of them, I think, him and, and Chase, Chase Young, Young. Not, not both right. of them. Right. So, I mean, and ch- trade Chase Young. Fine. Like, get, get a pick. Like, you're not going to, like, but now you're down two edge rushers. And I get it if you didn't want to bring Young back. But, like, Montez Sweat, again, has looked good. Um, so, yeah, the commanders are terrible. Um, they have the third, or excuse me, they're tied for the second worst point differential in the NFL. The Giants at minus 149. Uh, mm. The Panthers and commanders t- uh, at minus 142. Um, so, yeah, just a, uh, a rough, rough, rough scene for the commanders. Uh, are we ready to spin forward? Let's spin it forward. Okay, give us a, a, a there we go. That's your spin? What's the best thing that spins? One of the uh, the prices right wheel. Oh, what a great answer. I don't even want to come up with something. That Crushed. was a good um, good choice. Um, okay, so this is the state of things. The Niners are pretty uncatchable. Right, like we're kind of willing to concede that Niners are the one seed, so we don't really have to worry about Dallas. Philly is the one seed. If Detroit wins out, and because they have a game against Dallas, that's how they impact the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. If they win out, they're the two seed. Even if Philly wins out, because right. Detroit takes care of Dallas in that sense. If Philly wins out, they win the division, but can only control their destiny for the three seed. Obviously, if Dallas wins out, they're not guaranteed anything. The Cowboys, um, mm-hmm. although if they get the one loss they need from Philly, mm-hmm. Dallas Dallas controls their destiny, not just for the division, but for the two seed as well, because mm-hmm. they played the Lions, obviously. Right. Uh, am I missing anything? Nope, that's it. I mean, the non-NFC East winner will almost assuredly be the five seed. It's not impossible they could drop lower than that, but um, it is very that likely. That's more certain to me, and I think to you, than that the NFC East winner will be the two seed because things have tightened up with Detroit. Mm -hmm. It felt like for a while that the NFC East winner would be the one or two, but San Francisco has now Mm -hmm. put some distance and Detroit has closed the gap. So the NFC East winner is going to be the two or three. And I I still think two is probably more likely, obviously, especially if Dallas beats Detroit. I think it is uh, mathematically more likely, yes. Um, but it is overwhelmingly likely that the NFC East loser is going to be the five and mm-hmm. that team will also, it's becoming more and more likely visit the Buccaneers. I know the saints are there. Um, the Falcons seem kind of out of that, they, you know, I don't know. They're still around. The whole division is so bad. No one's truly out of it, but the bucks like ha- pass the eye test the most. I agree, you know but it's just, I would not <laughs> count on anything in that division. 
Um, so this is and and this is where we're at as far as the tiebreakers are concerned. Do you know all of the tiebreakers, Brandon, in With the NFC for the division for Dallas, for Philadelphia, NFC, NFC least, yeah. I guess, NFC beast. So no, this is the these are the tiebreaking um, scenarios in order. So number one, and Dallas and Philadelphia, we should say now, are both 10 and 4. Dallas currently leads the division because they have a better division winning percentage. The Cowboys have played five divisional games, whereas the Eagles have only played four. Um, that's why if the Eagles win out, they're fine. Uh, but so the first tiebreaker is head-to-head. These teams split with one another, so we can move on. Uh, number two is best record or, or the record within the division. Again, if we presume Dallas were to beat the Commanders in Week 18, which I think we both assume that they will, they're five and one. If Philadelphia wins their two games against the Giants, they're five and one. Now we have to move on. Best record within common games. That's why this weekend was significant. Why Philadelphia really blew it. Um, Dallas lost to Buffalo, and that gave Philadelphia a chance to pick up that tiebreaker because they beat the Bills and Dallas beat mm-hmm. the Seahawks. So if Philly had done so, they would have pretty much ran away with this at this point in time. But that was a push. So they're at a complete and total push right now on common games. Uh, beyond that, no, um, that's not true, right? I don't know. I'm kind of lost in all this, it's... to be honest. So, but no, they, they are going to push, I'm sorry, on common games. So that takes us to record within the conference. That's also why Monday night was significant for mm-hmm. the, the overall conversation because Philadelphia lost to an NFC opponent. As of now, each team's four losses, they both have lost to each other, obviously. They both have gotten destroyed by the 49ers. They both have lost to an AFC team, Dallas to Buffalo, Philly to New York. And they have both lost to another NFC team, Dallas and Arizona and Philadelphia in Seattle. So mm-hmm. their conference records are now equal and will be, again, in all likelihood, down the line. That mm-hmm. takes us to what the tiebreaker will ultimately wind up being, which Philadelphia mm-hmm. will probably wind up winning, and that is the strength of victory. Now, a lot of people... Yeah, a lot of people had questions. What is that? That is the record of your opponents. That is how the strength of those wins is calculated. Makes sense. And again, rewarded for playing harder teams, beating better or teams. For, for beating harder teams. Yeah, rather. beating harder um, teams. But so Philadelphia has that. It's possible that Dallas could take that tiebreaker if the Panthers were to win out, right? Like if the Cardinals, you know, or right. not the Cardinals, excuse me, but like, you know, if um, who was the other, uh, if the Chargers, you know, did better mm-hmm. or whatever, like things like that. And if the team, if the Chiefs were to falter and flounder, the, another team that the Chiefs beat, mm-hmm. uh, but again, or excuse me, the Eagles beat, but that is really unlikely. So mm-hmm. it will, if, if both these teams went out, it likely comes down to strength of victory the fifth tiebreaker, which Philadelphia in all likelihood will have, although it is not guaranteed to happen. But again, the overwhelming likelihood. Isn't it crazy how if you go down the tiebreakers far enough, there's a coin flip in there? Isn't that insane? Why would that ever be a factor? That's insane. Well, I, I know mean, it probably it, won't happen, but like it's, you, at you some have point, to come you, up to... no, but at some point you reach like there, there's a finite amount of measurability. There has to be things. something that's better. There has to be something that's better than literally flipping a coin. That's insane to me. There's a finite amount of things. This brings me to, um, I don't think I've ever uh, thrown this out. A, a, like a, a dinner conversation I like to have with people all the time. Is there not in your mind a finite amount of money on the earth? Like wouldn't, wouldn't it make sense theoretically that there is like a calculable amount of dollars that are, is just like disseminated amongst all humans? That's pretty complicated, I think. But like if there isn't and we can just create money, that seems right. weird and that seems strange. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, theoretically, there is a finite amount of money on the face of the earth. And if it's not money, 
it's goods and valuable. So there's like, there's a finite amount of tangible assets that, that can be accrued on earth. It's an incredible number, but it is a finite number nonetheless. And in that same sense, there's a finite amount of measurable tie-breaking scenarios, which you can, re or that you can reach, which is why a coin toss does make sense. However lame it would be. Hmm. No, you can come up with something better. I've looked into the the money thing. Um, there's like a real I've big... looked into the money. No, thing. well, I, I Googled it because I was like, somebody has to have thought oh, about okay. this before. And there was this like insane Reddit thread of people like talking about the same thing. Um, so it was funny. Yeah, whatever. Um, okay, so that's where we're at. So final three games of the regular season for these two teams. The Eagles host the Giants this week and then host the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon. How funny would it be if Jonathan Gannon were the one to ultimately do this? Um, and then they visit the Giants at MetLife Stadium to round this all out. We've been talking about like, oh, imagine if the Eagles and Cowboys have nothing to play for in week 18 and they just let the Giants mm. and Commanders win and, and, you know, worsen their draft position. I think we can throw that likelihood out. It seems like those games are going to matter. Probably, um, which is but, unfortunate because that's good news for the Commanders and the Giants. And the Niners. Um, but, um, but so the Cowboys final three games, they're in Miami on Sunday. The Eagles play Christmas day at noon. Is that right? It's like four, I think four twenty-five. That's just the afternoon game on Christmas. Okay. Um, so Dallas will have already played before Philadelphia gets here. We'll get to mm -hmm. predictions in a moment. Um, but then the Cowboys host the lions next Saturday, it's on mm. Saturday, not Sunday. And then they are in Washington to play the commanders in week 18. Um, mm -hmm. that that's that any points or thoughts on this so far? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, um, then I guess so we were ready to pick games. Is that what you want to do? You want to do Let's anything pick else? Games. It's amazing how football like, football could be the thing you hate the most. You know what I mean? Like at a certain moment in time, and then like one thing can happen, and you can be right back. Um. Yeah, it is. That's part of the fun of everything, and I always like to remind myself that you know the joy of winning does not come without the pain of losing. That's just true. So whenever you know you're like, oh, this sucks. Like, yeah. That's what makes the winning feel good, is that the losing sucks. It wouldn't be fun to win if the losing was not hurtful. So um, we're going in chronological order. That being said, I am ready for this season to be over from a standpoint of just like, I'm just tired. All these late games. Just um, I actually feel really bad for you that the Eagles are playing on Christmas in the middle of the day. That stinks. Like, that takes up your whole Christmas day. Like, it is a bummer. It's my mom's birthday, too. So, you know, shout out to my mom. So, yeah, it is a little bit unfortunate. Thankfully, I'm going to get to spend time with her, you know, the over the weekend leading up to the game. But, yeah, it is. It's actually the second time I've had to do this because the Eagles also played on Christmas in 2017. So, um, yeah, happy annoying. birthday. Happy early birthday, Mrs. G. The Cowboys and Eagles played on Christmas Day in the first Cowboys game I ever went right. to. Um in Jeff 2000, Garcia, baby. That 2006 game. Yeah. Um that was um it was I a really do a fun podcast this offseason where we just like name you know how like people like to joke about um guys just love like sitting around and naming random sports players like naming right. guys guys just love we should do a, a podcast where we lean into the parody and just name players name guys. Aiken Adele. Anyway, um so I'm going to go, I'm going to touch on all, not all, but a lot of games that are significant to this situation. Because one of these teams is going to win the division and one's going to be the five seed. Um, and so their opponents matter in all this. So Thursday night football features the Saints going to LA to play the Rams. Um, once again, the Rams, both these teams could be the the two playoff or the two teams that the Cowboys and Eagles face in the playoffs if things break, you know, certain directions. Um, 
I think we're probably rooting for the Saints to win this game, right? Like, no. keep. <clears throat> what's your take on this? Eagles have the Saints' second round pick, so I don't want them. To oh, make it okay, okay. Uh, okay. It's true. I mean, okay. I'm incentivized I get, against that. No, that's fair. But again, uh, just relative, to, I think it helps if you're looking at just the playoff matchup specifically. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair to be fearful of the Rams, so maybe you want them out of the picture. But so that's Thursday night football. The Rams are four point favorites. We will discuss all of the games. On Friday, on um, actually, I forgot our schedule this week, but whatever. Uh, we, we will be this- on TGI football, I believe. But we will be you, recapping. You will. We will be recapping this game, uh, right? Obviously. Uh, okay, so that's that. Um, the next one of note: the Lions are in Minnesota to take on the Vikings. The Lions are three-point favorites on the road. Again, I think that it, so in our rooting guides, we have been rooting for the Lions as of late for as Cowboys fans. Um, last week, it actually helped them clinch a playoff berth, but our thought. And, and logic behind that, and a lot of Cowboys fans were confused, was if Dallas can't be the one seed, then we want it to be Detroit. We don't want it to be San Francisco. We don't want it to be Philadelphia. And that is also true for the, the two seed. And we have accomplished the goal in that Detroit now controls their destiny towards the two seed. Um, so, you know, if you're worried, if you're a Cowboys fan about winning the division and not being the three seed, um, I think it's best to root against Detroit in this situation. And obviously for the Eagles as well. Yeah, but I do think the Lions will win. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, then next up, as far as games that have any kind of relevance, uh, on the mixtape, the Washington Commanders. Dude, this is really sad. The Washington Commanders are, or will be at MetLife on Sunday to play the Jets. Mm. And they are three-point underdogs, the Commanders are. That is really sad. I'll take the Jets. I don't know, man. Um I'm not comfortable betting on the Jets. I'm I'm just I'm not. I'm gonna take the commanders here. I think you're overreacting just a teeny tiny bit. Um the Cowboys will be in the afternoon window on Sunday, uh, on Christmas Eve at Miami playing the Dolphins. They are this opened at two, Dallas plus two. It's now it's a kind of moved down to one, but it's it's stabilized at one and a half. Dallas one and a half point underdogs. Do we know if Tyreek is playing? Like what's the status on that as of Tuesday? We don't a, quite one ten. Because that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a big factor in my pick. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean Dolphins now, but I very much reserve the right to change that for later in the week. Well, that's why everybody should listen to TJ football from the Nation yep, and that's exactly. your official pick. Um, I'm gonna lean Cowboys right now. They have not lost uh, two games in a row since uh, Thanksgiving uh, 2021. They generally respond well. Um, this game is going to be really annoying for the fan base that loses it, though, because everyone's going to you're going to have to deal with like your frauds, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but I'll barely lean Cowboys, obviously. Um, final game of sign- actually, we have two more games of significance and we're going in chronological order here. But mm-hmm. um, Giants in Philly on Monday afternoon, Philly get laying, excuse me, 10 and a half. they've lost three in a row and they're 10 and a half point favorites which tells you just how bad the giants are look um i don't think the Eagles. i don't like the eagles against anyone right i don't feel confident in their part and them winning the game but i do feel confident in the giants being worse because they just have been and also sirianni's three and oh against stable and two of those games were blowouts the other one was kind of like a weird one that they were just like just trying to skate by and not do too much but still win in week 18 last year so um, I give, and the Eagles are literally 24 and six in their last 30 games against the Giants dating back to 2008. So it's, it's hard for me to be like, Giants are going to come in here and win with any kind of confidence. Uh, so, but, uh, I don't believe in the Eagles. I just think the Giants are worse. So I'll take the Eagles to win, but I can't give the Eagles the benefit of the doubt when it comes to covering. Yeah. I, I just cannot lay over uh, double digit points. It is 
a big line. Uh, it is massive. I mean, this is an offense that is struggling to score. I mean, that again, you know, they didn't score an offensive touchdown against the Cowboys. They only scored two against the Niners. Is that correct? And one was in garbage time. Um, yeah. And then they scored two in Seattle, one of which was the tush push. I think one was a tush push against San Francisco as well. So, I mean, like, they will probably have a tush push touchdown, but like, I can't even count on them to score 20 points right now. You just can't. So um, now that being said, it's really difficult to count on the Giants to score 10 points, which, you know, is kind of the thing here. Um, but I'll take the Eagles to win. Um, not because I'm like, oh, like they haven't given me a reason to jump because they absolutely have. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Giants are that bad. Uh, so right. I'll take them to win. But I am definitely taking the points here. Even I, I don't even feel confident about the points, but like I just in, in good faith cannot take the or lay the points on behalf of the Eagles. I think mm-hmm. we're in the same boat here. The final game that uh, is not NFC East related, but does have a huge impact on things is the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Baltimore Ravens on Christmas night, right after the Giants Eagles game. Um, dude, ESPN's got to be thrilled. They finally got a good Monday night football game. Like they're, <laughs> they're, they're probably like, although <laughs> like it's kind of worse that it's on Christmas, right? Cause that's not like a true, you're losing some of the luster of that game. I feel like cause not, it's, I also, not like things, it's a different kind of holiday. I feel like it's not like Thanksgiving. It's different. I agree like, with you. you know, it's not this. It's not this staple. Like people watch football. Right, Thanksgiving. Right. I don't think people necessarily watch football on Christmas. I agree, and I also think that, like, and I mentioned this on Monday Football Monday with Mark. Um, like, are, are are we gonna like act like whoever loses this game is like a loser? No. <laughs> oh no! Like two teams who have both clinched Until playoffs. The game well, yeah, out, but, but yeah. like, oh, two teams who have clinched playoff spots with three weeks to go in the regular season, you know, who are both, you know, the one seed right now. Like, it isn't like do or die, you know what I mean? So, no. like, it, it has kind of like we talked about Cowboys Eagles, it has lost a little bit of juice, um, in, in hmm. that way. I don't um, think so. I just think it's kind of like a really intriguing kind of house money playoff or potential Super Bowl preview, I should say. Um, I'm gonna take the Niners, but I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna take the points as well. I'm gonna do that. I mean, it's just five and a half's a lot, even though Baltimore hasn't like been an offensive juggernaut as of late. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if this is a potential MVP night for Lamar. I know that that mm-hmm. makes you just swell with joy. Well, I think uh, he's the MVP. <laughs> you must really hate Brock Purdy. Um, no, I don't. I, I really don't. I think I know what this I don't is. Care. You don't want the Eagles NFC Championship game win to be like further weakened by the take of the Niners didn't have their MVP quarterback. I've, I've fully diagnosed what's happening here. Interesting. I don't even follow along with what you're saying, but mm. I'm going to take the 49ers to win because when they've played at their best, they're just been they've been unbeatable. I think even when the Ravens have played at their best, they're really good, but I still think there there's flaws there. There's holes. And I just think the 49ers kind of look flawless. Who do you trust more as a head coach? Like not as a play caller, because as a play caller, it's Kyle Shanahan. But like, I think I trust John Harbaugh as a head coach more. Again, I recognize I'm I'm moving goalposts yeah. a little bit. That's there's organizational philosophy stuff that goes into that. You know, the, the Ravens are obviously more analytically inclined. So yeah, I would give Harbaugh that edge there. But um, you know, for obviously yeah, from schematic and everything, the 49ers are just they're rolling. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that is tough about the Eagles. Like, it's not your year every year. It just isn't. And I said that going into the season. Like, it's so hard to get back to the Super Bowl. Sometimes it is your year. Sometimes it's not your year. It's clearly not the Eagles' year. That's very much apparent. It is seemingly the 49ers' year. So it's their year, and I'm sticking with them. Well, and that's what makes, if you, you know, don't cash in when it is your year, 
so painful because they don't right they're not guaranteed to come around you know like once yeah. every five years once every 10 years like once every 50 years yeah i'm, I'm not like, saying it's like your year so you definitely win the championship it's like your year you have the chance to very much win it and whether you do or don't i don't know that's not guaranteed it is but yes it has all worked out san francisco's way and, and especially in that the top two you know contenders who they've eliminated in thorough fashion um are in the same division right so like you know they're beating up on each other and they're hurting one another's playoff chances and they're forcing one you know to play on the road just by proxy of how the playoffs work so yeah um this is san francisco's for the taking i agree that's why i think they'll win this game but um you know, i don't I'm, think I'm, they get beat by anyone other than you know the bills could be themselves interesting. yeah obviously if they get to the super bowl yes that's what i was gonna say yeah i don't think i think they can beat themselves for sure but i don't think anyone can just straight up beat them just like like 49ers couldn't even do anything like they played their best game in the ravens or whoever although again i think the bills could potentially if they get like this is a long ways down the road but if the bills like continue to ascend and stay hot and get to the super bowl then i would start to kind of wonder about that a little bit but for now no um okay so then we are forecasting the same exact circumstances next week although i think if everything we said happens i think philly would uh return to the division lead uh because they'd have that that uh fifth division game and obviously fourth yeah division win. the division order right now is kind of like fake you know or like right i'm just yeah you know, just yeah. just stating it's the facts like, as they lie i i know it's just but it's like kind of just, it's like dumb because it's like yeah the cowboys are technically first but they don't control things it's just a matter of timing let's get to songs um this is our last mixtape before christmas so a last opportunity to add christmas music which you haven't really done um rachel's really been in the holiday spirit with the eagles losing <laughs> they've lost every game in the month of december so how could you be i know um but uh rachel submission is in uh her song choice is silent night by the temptations mm-hmm. incredible choice by rachel yeah that's a good one what's your song you're up first wow i'm gonna go with white christmas by bing crosby bing crosby one of the true goats of holiday (laughs) christmas music fantastic has a great deep voice so white christmas um that's a good choice really classic i've actually like another like dinner conversation i like to have is like why do, why do any artists like try to write new Christmas musics or new Christmas songs? We I don't mean, need some of them songs. hit. I mean, it's rare though. Mariah I mean, Carey. Well, I know, but like even that's like twenty years old. You know what I mean? But I'm like, saying it, like yeah, but that at one point in time, no, that is perceived we, as new. But that's we have reached the point in time, and we've been here for like ten years. We don't need new songs. We, if you want to, if you want to cover a Christmas song, you want to put out a holiday album where you sing Jingle Bells and Frost mm-hmm. and Snowman, and everything. I'm totally fine. I'll listen and I'll throw it on the holiday mix. But like. I we need the songs that the little kids can sing the words to. We don't need new songs or, that we have to learn the words to this time of year. We're busy. You know what I mean? We don't have time to learn the words to your song. Do you have any especially favorite covers of any like classic Christmas songs? Obviously, you know Mariah Carey would be up there. Um, I mean, I'm I'm fond of Michael Bublé's Christmas album. I mm. put a song on on our playlist last week from it. But like, I love his cover of Frost of the Snowman. I love his cover of Jingle Bells with the um, I forget the the featuring artist he's with, and, but they're great. Uh, it's it's the Something Sisters, I think. But it, it's got like a cool like jazzy kind of sound. Um, Pentatonics has some great Christmas uh, covers, obviously in their acapella, one. you know, sense. Um, do you have a favorite? I like when. There's bands you realize don't even have Christmas albums. That's kind of funny. Or do Christmas songs like NSYNC has a Christmas album. I remember listening to that. What when do I was you? Young. 
that's a really famous album. Like what? Like and that. Well, that's I mean, a, that's a case like Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. They wrote that song. That song slaps. But again, I'm not it's saying everyone like 25 years old. It, but some people might not. You know, I mean, they're not known for being a Christmas band or album. Is my point. Like you know, like unlike the classics, Weezer has a Christmas album. Um, I, Iration. My, we've got some songs. They have a version of Last Christmas that's pretty good. One of my favorite versions of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas is by Coldplay. They do a, a nice little version of that. So I kind of just like sometimes a, uh, 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 yeah. Like one Train. Of the, a band. Train oh, has a Train. Christmas album as well. Yeah. So, I didn't see. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Train I mean, gets a lot of hate, but, uh, you know, they had some bangers. I mean, is hey, so- Come on. Is, hey, is hey Soul Sister my favorite song ever? No. Um, no. But, but like, they ha- they do have great songs, but, like, I, I'd put them with, like, the Plain White Tees or something like that. Like, I'm, I'm fine with Calling that. You know Angels, I mean? like, great song. That was so big. Song. That was so big in the moment. They have a song. I know this isn't something that we want to hear right now, but they have a song called Save Me San Francisco that's really great as well. Mm. Um, Still making music, huh? Oh, I mean, this was, like, 2012, 2013. Um, oh. So, yeah. But no more new Christmas songs. Again, you want to cover anything, by all means, do it. But uh, but no more new songs. So, that being said, it's time for my submission. And we couldn't get through Christmas without adding it, obviously. And you mentioned it several times. All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. I mean, how how could we not? Like, it's it's the most like like booming Christmas song. Like, there's like a lot of them are kind of like you know fun and like good background music. But like someone someone puts this on, it's like okay, this is serious Christmas party all of a sudden. I went to this bar in Pittsburgh once where um, it was only like me and for Manny Brothers. No, a bar like a like a, not a no food, just for bar. Manny Brothers. Only food. No, I mean, for only only drinks. For Manny and... Brothers is the best sandwich in all of Pennsylvania. <laughs> It's not true. I wish, I mean, I wish their sandwiches were good. It's very disappointing to me. I wanted to enjoy it when I went and the fries were bad. Anyway, I'll give them another chance at some point, probably in the future, but disappointed. The only songs that people were playing in the six, like this bar full of six people were uh, Fill Me Up Buttercup like a hundred times in a row. And they interrupted it one time to play Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. And this was like in July. So. <laughs> Uh, um, I don't know. I don't know what that was about, but that's a funny story. But the song is called "Build Me Up Buttercup," not "Fill Me Up Buttercup." You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing moment for you. Last thing, and then we leave. I just saw a quote or a tweet from Ian Rappaport. I'm going to read it to you verbatim, and then I want your thoughts, and we'll leave. Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers says on Pat McAfee's show that if he were 100%, he'd be pushing to come back, but he <laughs> but he's not there. Quote. Being medically cleared as 100% healed is not realistic at 14 weeks. End quote. Yeah, okay. Glad to know what we knew all along. <laughs>